All right. Here we go. Quiet. Welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we take a look at the latest movie news, the films of yesterday and today, and put it all into some sort of context. Seated across the microphone from me is Film Buff Online Editor-in-Chief, Rich Drees. And seated across the microphone from me is Film Buff Online Contributing Editor, Natasha Bogutsky. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. (laughs) How are you doing today? Not bad, not bad. I know, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been uh, seated down to do one of these. Um, you were under the uh, well, we, we had the play. Then you were under the weather. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got was, the flu two days. No, the 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 last day of the show. Yeah, yeah, the last day of the show, and I went and then, on with the flu. <laughs> as soon as you got over the flu, I got the flu and was out for a couple of days. <laughs> well, you were hanging around with all of us. I mean, what yeah, was I know. Bound I to know by Petri the way, did dish, I sound but... like Maria Menounos in that opening? <laughs> <laughs> Good lord! Come yeah. back and talk and hear more about film on Nuvi. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't I, mean I, to shit on Maria Menounos. I, I realized that um, <laughs> we're gonna get sued. <laughs> well, within the last couple of days, um, I was look. You know, I every morning I start off looking at my uh, memories thing on Facebook just to kind of go where, okay, this is where I was a year ago. This is what I was thinking five years ago, 10, 12, 13 years ago. Wait, you had thoughts that far back? Thank you. Yes. (laughs) And um, (laughs) within the last couple of days, one year ago was the first time I had been back in a movie theater since the beginning of COVID, which were coming up uh, this coming weekend, this coming week on the anniversary of the second anniversary of lockdown. What were we seeing? It was The Father, right? I think it was. I think we had gone to see The Father, which, great movie to go back to the movies, too. Uh, (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, we were in tears hugging each other after it was over. Yeah, that was was Well, I was hugging you. I didn't want to be touched. (laughs) I I know. It was very weird. Um, But, yeah, that was a a rough movie to kind of go back to. But I'm glad that was also the one we kind of went back to because – it wasn't a big blockbuster. It was a Bloody. good story. It was. Yeah. It was a good film. Yeah, it was a great film. Oh, and yeah, it was. even <laughs> considering how weird the Academy Awards shook out with it uh, that year um, and how they moved things around. Um, but so so I was like, oh, wow. That whole that whole year where we weren't at the movies, we were just mm-hmm. watching streaming stuff and trying to catch up on our to watch piles, which really haven't shrunk at all. And uh, speak the, for yourself, the thing, mine the th- has. I know. I I just stopped buying movies. Oh, <laughs> that's part of it. Part of it. Oh, okay. I see. Okay. Uh, they, I missed that keep, part of the memo. They just keep popping up on streaming everywhere. So unless it's one that I definitely need to have a physical and a digital of, mm-hmm. I don't care anymore. I'm getting really particular unless it's Criterion or it jumps out at me and out at mm-hmm. me in some spectacular fashion. Yeah. yeah. Um, like for example, for Christmas, I splurged on myself and I hunted down a copy of Another Round, even though it's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is one that's 
made an impression. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it, um, for the last couple weeks, the one that I would have to say that has made the impression on me was Tragedy of Macbeth. And I don't even like Macbeth. I was in Macbeth. I was Lady <laughs> Macbeth, and I didn't like it. But... <laughs> the performances are electrifying. The cinematography is... God, I hope they win the Oscar. Yeah, it is still on. I have like three movies left to watch before the Oscars, and, and that's nine. like one of them. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been hard to catch up. I mean, between everything, day job has been like bananas the last mm-hmm. couple of months. Um, all I just, sorts of I just things. took down my Christmas tree two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> when you realized you had passed my birthday, you realized, well, maybe we should take the Christmas tree down. Or is it more of your it, mom just wanted it back? Uh, it was more a case of I was seeing my mom for the first time since before Christmas. And um, I was taking her to see the Batman and take mm-hmm. her out for brunch. And I was just like, you know what? I should probably take her a tree back. Yes. <laughs> that way she doesn't, you know, pitch a fit. <laughs> Fair enough. By the way, this has been bugging me or it's been bugging me for the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I've, I've noticed you've been staring at something, and I'm trying to continue talking about what we should be talking about, but we're, we're, taking it, we're taking, a di- we're taking <laughs> it's, the exit it's, off it's, the highway it's here. It's movie-related. We okay. can get back on the highway somehow. Okay, yes, that, that's the Rocketeer on the left. That's the shadow on the right, right? Yes. Okay, that's you, all I needed okay. to know. <laughs> For the people at home, playing along at home, uh, on my wall in my living room, uh, which I changed. It's a sketch. It's a piece of original comic art from... Um, Michael uh, William Michael Kaluta, one of the great uh, comic book artists who did a lot of shadow art uh, for the for DC Comics back in the seventies and again in the nineties. No, he wasn't. <laughs> no, he's Man. a tracer. Oh, don't! Uh, I am a big fan of uh, Kaluta's, and this cost me. A nice little pretty penny, but I think he did some wonderful work here. It's a picture teaming up the Rocketeer and the Shadow. The man loves his pulp eh, heroes, <laughs> and so do I. And that if if I drove home and I saw the building engulfed in flames, I would still run in just to grab that off the wall. Because that's how much I treasure and love it. It's a beautiful piece. I wasn't I was I was just <laughs> referencing chasing Amy. I know you were. I know you were. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Aww. I know. You're, you you saw my Bob Saget interview hanging oh, there. Oh, no. Have we, have we even been... Did we... I think we did it in... Did we do a, an episode be, uh, since he passed away or not? I can't remember now. Not here. No. We recorded at my house. That's right. We did talk about that. Yeah, you're just seeing that for the first time, too, though. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I know. All right. Well, okay. back on back on. Track. But yeah, yeah. So, but because we've been off for a couple of weeks, it doesn't mean we've stopped watching anything. Um, well, the house hasn't changed. That's for certain. Even with all you putting all those movies in the Plex server. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do a whole episode at some point. Me like <laughs> proselytizing about how cool Plex is, but we're and we'll get going to that through later. and naming off probably the top ten. Uh, films that we own. <laughs> yeah. Um, that means we'll probably have to go through and watch them all. <laughs> oh, no. That sounds awful. No, stop. <laughs> <laughs> 
It'll be three years before Rich is done, and it'll mm. be about six months before I am. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping with uh, uh, no, sorry, uh, Rich has been hanging on to certain films since 2008. There's at least uh, one 2018. There's at least so... one ready to go back to you, and you know about that. fucking time. How much? How thick was the layer of dust on it? Uh, I dust it regularly. Then so, why did I wipe my finger across it the one day and come oh up and God, went, damn. I'm going to cut half of this out. I swear to Christ. <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, no, get too lazy. Uh, just no, lazy. I noticed that um, you've been collecting a few more on your Plex server, like the 355, mm-hmm. um, Tragedy Macbeth, uh, Emma. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm you know, I'm still, you know, kind of catching up on a few things like I said for the Oscars. Yeah. Um same. it's been a hell of a You're time. You're closer than I am, that's it's for sure. It's been a hell of a time for watching stuff. Um Boba Fett ended a couple of weeks ago. I didn't watch anything past episode 2. Oh, okay, then I won't talk about it any more than that, but I really liked it and it was different than The Mandalorian, but that's because they were telling a different kind of story, I think. And I like that. Um, You. Yeah. Whoa. What? Yeah. (laughs) What? Me? Yeah. You have started watching Picard season two, right? Uh, Amongst other things like the Gilded Age. Yes. But we talked about this this morning, actually. Um, What I found fascinating, I think you're not a big Star Trek Next Gen fan, but you're enjoying Picard. I've always told people I'm a Trekkie, not a Trekker. See, I always I always. Trekkie was always the Star Trek fan thing, but after a while it felt a little derisive. So I kind of, you know, so some people, myself included, started going, oh no, we're Trekkers, you know, to say we have lives outside of Star Trek. Um, And I mean, I enjoy Star Trek. Okay, that is not what I was taught it was. Really? Trekkie is original series and the J.J. Abrams reboots as they feature the same characters, whereas Trekkers are next-gen Voyager Deep Space Nine. Wow. I never heard it. But, nah, but uh, Pretty much never heard it delineated that way. Yeah. That's what I was always. Wow. That's. Taught. Yeah. That's. Okay. I'm a casual Star Trek fan. Lo- love, <laughs> love the original series. Enjoyed next gen for the most part. Now I'm curious if people um, have been feeding me wrong things. <laughs> and then um, right around the time Deep Space Nine was starting, uh, Babylon Five was also starting, and I just preferred that show. So I, that's kind of where my allegiance to franchises kind of swung. Um, I never liked Voyager. Um, Voyager just didn't do anything for me, and um, Enterprise was okay. Um, I have a problem with Star Trek in that it, a lot of the times, wants to crawl up its own continuity <laughs> butthole, and it it bothers me. I don't. I am like, okay, yes, yes, yes. It, you know, where they constantly feel like they have to refer back to things, and the the weight of the universe has gotten too big to be able to tell stories, which is what I liked about the J.J. Abrams reboot. You know, it's like, nope, it's a separate timeline that, you know, branched off because of this thing that happened. And then it kind of was free to do its own thing. So, of course, what's the first thing it does is it does a very poor remake of Wrath of Khan in the second movie. We will fight. I didn't. Uh, I th- I th- 
This is a we will have this as a bigger topic at some point. But JJ Abrams calls the, back to earlier stuff. Look at Force Awakens. It's just new hope. Well, it's what he does. Yeah, but there's an argument to be made that calling back to New Hope fits better with the franchise of Star Wars. Redoing Star Trek 2 in Star Trek Into Darkness and doing it not as good. And at the same time, hoping that people's memories of Star Trek 2 kind of add an emotional weight to scenes towards the end of the film that the film itself doesn't supply is not good filmmaking. I mean, perhaps, <laughs> but I still have a special place in my heart for Into Darkness, and um, that fight between Khan and Spock at the end is mm-hmm. one of the most brutal fight scenes of people just letting loose, probably since Obi-Wan decided to chop Darth Maul in half. That's true. That is a pretty... Um, Fair comparison? Yeah, actually. Uh, for for two movies uh, that I... Neither of which I've seen in years that I'm trying to draw my memories back onto. But I think, yeah, no, that that, that feels right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, what, uh, what year was Wrath of Khan? Was Wrath of Khan 82? That was the summer of 82, wasn't it? I don't remember. Um. Obviously, I was. It wasn't even a spot in my father's eye at the time. I know, <laughs> I know. But um, if it was, maybe we can do a retro review of it uh, in the comments. God! <laughs> God! Yeah, because I haven't even gone back and rewatched Star Trek. There's your new of... ringtone, by the way. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't even gone back and rewatched Star Trek two in a long time. Um, Rathacon is probably the one I've seen the most of, apart from Undiscovered Country. Um, I would say Rathacon is probably the one I've seen the most as well. Um, yeah, yeah, and but I know I haven't really watched it in a lot, you know, in a number of years, and I'm wondering how I'm going to connect. Uh more or less with the the Kirk's aging angle now that I've just had a birthday and I'm in my early we're still calling it our early 50s but um, you're you're Denny Crane oh thank you <laughs> you know it's funny wait I'm, does that make me James Spader because I'll fucking take it <laughs> <laughs> um what was funny was Shatner's in his like late 80s now, mm-hmm. and I was listening to a podcast with somebody who had just recently talked with him, and they were very much shocked by how his voice is still so full mm-hmm. for his age, and that's why you don't th- realize he's as old as he is. Yeah. Which I think is amazing, you know. Um, I mean, okay, let's talk about, for a second, Patrick Stewart. In the uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness trailer, um, where we get that one line, mm. or him and Picard. I mean, he's he's acting well, but you can tell his voice is a lot thinner than it was thirty five years ago when he was on Next Gen. Yeah, and that's just you know a product of aging. And 
Shatner doesn't seem to have been affected by it, though. Oh, it's because he chose his words and his pauses uh, wisely. Very true. Well, that, that was he, He's often said that sometimes those pauses are him just trying to remember what his line is. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm wondering, how do we do this? We have to make the choice to not kill today, you know, and... <laughs> Stuff like that. So, I, I'm sorry. Anybody trying to do an impersonation of Shatner is actually just um, doing. Um, oh crud! What's what's that actor's name? Walkin adjacent. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's Walkin adjacent. This guy also does a really good Walkin. Um, um, Kevin Meany. No, Kevin. Kevin Pollock. Kevin Pollock from. Um, Mrs. Maisel. Yes. Mrs. Maisel from uh, a few good men, a few good men, and a few other things. Uh, but, uh, 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 usual suspects. Yes, he's he's a fantastic stand-up and an incredible, incredible impressionist. And he, anybody doing Shatner is doing his Shatner. He found all the right perfect ticks for Shatner, and anybody else doing Shatner is just doing Kevin Pollock. But <laughs> I, but that's a lot. I mean, you know, uh, back in the '80s when Rich Little figured out, you know, Ronald Reagan's ticks and that well there you go again that kind of a thing everybody was doing rich little's version of ronald reagan and it's it's you know this is this is taking a weird turn and suddenly we're talking comedy we were supposed to be on on Yes. Um, we we went through. Uh, what did we do? Boston legal. We have, we, yeah, we have not been in front of microphones and had to like actually remain focused on a topic. This has been a while. This is, this is one of our the, usual conversations. Yeah, not this one is of our... like ADHD us. I'm sorry. <laughs> if if you were actually able to follow any of that, you guys deserve medals. Yes. <laughs> Please diagram that as a sentence and send it to us so we can figure out how we got here. Uh, if you can Venn diagram it, we'll send Oof. you a Film Buff Online t-shirt. Just let us know what your size is. And let me get started on designing one. <laughs> well, it's just a t-shirt with your logo on it. That's Come true. on. Yeah, I, we used to have t-shirts. And, and we'll find a spot to sign on the back. We used to have t-shirts about 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, me, John, and Bill all had t-shirts that I, I made up. <laughs> And it doesn't fit anymore? None of them. No. <laughs> I'm going to throw something at you. <laughs> You're so mean. You'll love it. Uh, <laughs> Where do you think I learned my sarcasm? You and Darren. <laughs> I learned it from you, Dad. It's like those old, dumb, stupid anti-drug P- PSAs. Where do you think I learned it? I learned it from you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you know, Picard. You know, we we got so transitioned <laughs> off my original point about being back at the movies after a year and thinking, boy, that year where I didn't have to look at Maria Menounos <laughs> before watching a movie was really wow, great. We really fell back. Yeah, you you got us off on a tangent, and then I we had more tangents than a geometry textbook, and. I know. Fifteen it's, minutes ago, I was going to do a slam on Maria Menounos. That's and, not and, tangent. It's trigonometry. Oh, uh, whatever. <laughs> it's something you can't use. Yeah. It's, <laughs> can I balance my checkbook with it? Well, solve for x. Yes. Okay. That's algebra. <laughs> That's algebra. I know. Look. <laughs> <laughs> 
In high school, I had the same crazy old woman for two years in a row of algebra and then algebra two. And then senior year, I didn't have to take any math whatsoever. I had satisfied all those requirements. So I didn't take a math, and I got that crazy old woman for homeroom. <laughs> I couldn't avoid her. It was the worst. <laughs> I went to a Catholic high school, and I wound up not believing in God because of things like that. <laughs> I got something to say. Oh, you always do. What? <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank you. This show is so off the rails right now. <laughs> no. And we're not even drunk. We've been drunker. We yeah, we we we've actually had a couple glasses of wine and done this show. And it's been much more coherent. Oh my this. god, the Harry Potter Lord of the Rings one. I was like pretty much smashed on whiskey at the time. I know. Yeah, that was that was something. And for some reason it's be- that was better than this. Ow. <laughs> Anyways. Yes. So the movie we did see this weekend, you saw it twice, actually. Wow, we we're not even going to talk about the whole Picard next gen thing. We're just like, well, it's uh, we're, we're like twenty minutes in. Well, we got to keep going, ladies and gentlemen. I guess we'll do that next week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Yeah, try telling people you're not <laughs> drunk now with that hiccup. Holy cow! <laughs> you, you you sound like you're like. Drunk in a cartoon from the 40s. It's cramping vinaigrette <laughs> and sparkling water, <laughs> which is you keeping sa- my thighs You sound like you're cool. a drunk in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. You know, I was like, what's up, duck? Happy New Year. Is that a rabbit or a bat? Oh, they're both vermin. Hey. Hey, uh, okay, anyways, Matt Reeves, uh, ba- the Batman. <sighs> wow. Um, Where first, do we start? Yeah, well, let's start with the- It's the, three hours long? Yes, it's three hours long. Um, So time your soda drinking appropriately. Yeah, I didn't. I know. Um, or my beer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I know when this was first announced, after the whole, is Ben Affleck going to make a Batman movie or not? You know, fru haha. After all that, it came out. Nope, Ben Affleck's not going to make a Batman movie. He's going to concentrate on maybe staying sober. I thought, well, that's nice. Um, Thank you. Yes. I don't need a Batman movie at the expense of somebody's, you know, well being and, and health. Life. Yeah. yeah. And they said, Matt Reeves. And then people are like, Oh, God, do we need yet another version of the Batman? We've had so many different versions of Batman. We've had Michael Keaton and George Clooney and Christian Bale and um, um, what's-his-face and – Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. (laughs) He just forgot his name. No, 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 no. From Batman Forever. Oh, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Sorry, Val. Um. It, Speaking do, of, first thing that pops up. <laughs> it's because your phone's listening. I know. And you know, do we need yet another version of Batman? And obviously the answer is yes. Duh. Because I think this brought a lot of new and different and interesting things to the table. And for the it's the first time we've seen Batman actually act as a detective since hello detective comics uh yeah since i don't know mask of the phantasm the animated movie 
Um, because in all the Batman movies, he's really not much of a detective. We mm-hmm. don't see him operating in that fashion. And that's what I love, love, love about this movie, first and foremost, I think. Well, it's it's pretty much a neo-noir meets, like, David Fincher's Seven in its style. It's absolutely gorgeous mm-hmm. um, and gritty and disgusting and filthy. And I fucking loved every moment of that. It Okay, there are different types of Batman. We've had... M- the Michael Keaton's uh, walks a fine line between camp and darkness. We get into val- the Joel Schumacher phase, and they just kind of went full gay camp. Yes. Um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm pretty certain my one of my first sexual awakenings was Uma Thurman <laughs> doing her dance at the ball. Um. Yeah. That wink, yeah. and I was like. Hello. <laughs> um, then we get into Nolan, who everything is kind of steel, chrome. It's metal. It's cold. It's mm-hmm. detached. Um, he, he's going for a certain type of grounded in reality. Like heat. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, a crime drama in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got into uh, Affleck. And under Zack Snyder's, they went for Diesel Punk. Yeah. But here, there's a grittiness and a realness to it. Mm-hmm. Even though you're looking at it and going, this feels like we're in the 90s. Or are we set present day or are we set in their time? It doesn't matter because the grittiness is so authentic mm-hmm. that it feels current. Outside of... Uh, the third act hinging on some internet stuff mm-hmm. and um, the th- the sequence at the funeral hinging a little bit on a cell phone. Mm-hmm. You know, this movie could take place anywhere between the 70s and now. And oh, I, yeah, it's some drive. Oh, thumb drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, that yeah, th- so that nice. one still oh, gets God. me like crazy. Oh, I don't God. know. It's the, like the worst joke in the movie, and I fucking love it because it's so. I remember twisted just twisted and there. fucked up. I loved I was it. Giggling. Oh my God, that's that is so wrong. <laughs> and beautiful because yes. it's so fucked up. Yes, exactly. It's it... especially when Gordon goes, "Oh, this guy's hilarious." <laughs> um yeah the 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 tone is 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 dark dark yes even but, dark humor but the humor is also dark <laughs> but you st- but you still laugh it still provides that comedic release that you need at certain moments one thing i did like um was the relationship between um batman and gordon buddy cop yeah, kind of but there is a deeper respect to it yes um, There's it, a, a level of trust, which mm-hmm. you need to have when you're dealing with someone in a cape and a mask that you don't even know who's working yeah. as your partner. Exactly. Exactly. And the fact that, you know, not all the cops like Batman. Um, they don't trust him. They don't trust They're him. They're afraid of him. Mm-hmm. He's a symbol and, of fear at the beginning. 
Oh my god. Yeah, okay, let's let's go back to that first then. <laughs> let's welcome. go back to that first 10 15 minutes. That opening monologue that, which is amazing. That opening monologue, the whole sequence. His eyes. Um is Batman down these dark shadows. These aren't criminals who are like they know that Batman's around and they think they can make their bones by um you know well, if I just get my shot at him, I know I could get him. Everybody's fucking petrified of Batman. It's a horror movie. Yeah. It very much is there at first, where people know that, you know, there's a monster in the shadows. and It's like God that, or the devil. When that bat signal goes up, they, they're they like, they you know, they don't know. They You know, we get them looking down, you know, hallways and alleys and stuff. And it's pitch black, and they don't know what's down there. Oh, no, my thing, you know, fell and rolled that way. Fuck it. I don't need it. <laughs> you know, they're not yeah. going anywhere near that. Post hoc ergo propter hoc, which came first, the signal or the bat? Uh. <laughs> it's true. That's kind of what he says in the monologue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really like that, that even though he has this city basic, you know, a certain criminal element of the city gripped in absolute terror of him showing up, mm-hmm. they still go about what they do, and crime is still on its on the rise, they say. And this has not been a successful campaign in his war against crime. Uh, I, I think it's not been a su- successful campaign because the regular civilians are just as afraid, mm-hmm. and that's why. Yeah, and that becomes the whole arc of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I know people have said that Oh, the movie's too long. The third act, I don't know why we have this third act. But the third act really just pays off all of that in terms of character. Mm -hmm. You know, most people are just so used to... The action. The the action. It's, you know, the hero versus the villain. And nope, he defeated the big boss. He captured... Okay, there's going to be... There's going to be spoilers. Spoilers, sorry. Uh, Yes, he captured Riddler and sent him off to Arkham Asylum. But there's still things that are happening that Riddler set in motion, and that's and those because they things both know that what is ultimately going to save or tear the city apart is the people living within it, and how you manipulate them and mm-hmm. ma- manipulate their emotions. Yes. And that's the thing. And, and that, whole and part all of that of this, sequence yeah. is is very important to the overall character arc of what he of what Bruce goes through. From going from vengeance to hope and, as a symbol. And that's the thing. Riddler is manipulating the general public through everything that he does from the first video that he drops Um, for I, – I think it was for the commissioner mm-hmm. who he's torturing to death. He is riling the city up. And and Batman terrifies the city. He not only terrifies the criminal element, he terrifies just the normal people. Yeah. And it, now they're turning to Riddler for salvation because they can't see that Batman is better than the people who are in the institutions. Why? Because he's working alongside them. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of interesting politics in this movie. And, you know, first of all, if you're somebody who's like, I don't like politics in my comic books or my comic book movies, well, Shut get over it. Shut the fuck up. Watchmen. It's, it's all over there. Even going back. Look, the very first issue of Superman, he's tossing um, landlords who were like 
leaving their buildings in slum-like conditions out windows, okay? He was, you know, (laughs) so, you know, that's a political stance Mm -hmm. right there. Um, Superman was always like a champion of the New Deal, and that wasn't always a popular stance to take, you know, at that time. Yeah. And Superman beat up the Ku Klux Klan on his radio show. <laughs> um, there's a whole, there was a whole story arc in that uh, serialized radio series where he basically fought white supremacists. And so you, you kind of can't do this. You can't say that. And what I was really surprised is how that politics angle kind of crystallizes in the third act. Mm-hmm. We have – we find out, you know, the Riddler has followers – on a dark website where he posts his videos and he has he organizes recu- them. yeah pretty much organizes recruits them into once he's blown the seawalls around the city which obviously it's new york so the hudson's flooding through the streets <laughs> everyone tries to take shelter in gotham square garden aka madison square garden yeah yeah and he has assigned his followers to do a mass shooting of all of them. Mm-hmm. Remember, too, that this movie was originally supposed to come out before January 9th. <laughs> so January or, 6th. Or January 6th, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. But, or, like, it was very much, you know, all shot and everything before all of that. Um, I think so, that hits harder now, though. Yeah, it does. It does, because, you know... The coincidentalness of it all. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, and you're, you're like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, because of that resonance, though. Yeah. Yeah, if we had seen this, you know, before the election and all of that, and then afterwards, you know, that happened, I don't know if people would be able to draw those types of parallels or not. But obviously, the way it did happen... They're very much, you know, evident, even if unintended. Let's talk performances now, because okay, okay. we've got some. We had, this is a stellar fucking cast oh of character actors. Mm-hmm. Some of them finally getting their freaking due in mainstream media. Hello, Paul Dano. <laughs> yes, who is a director in his own right, who has films in the Criterion Collection. Mm-hmm. So, okay. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, let's yeah. start with the uh, the champ. Dark Knight himself, our pats. Okay, okay. Go. <laughs> Obviously, we don't need to say, um, you know, the, oh, wow, we were surprised by this performance. I wasn't. No, of course not. <laughs> uh, we, You know, we've seen him in things over the last decade since he did, you know, Twilight. And everything that he's done pretty much is pointed to... The fact that he would knock it out of the park here. He would find some interesting angles to explore in the character, and he does. There's a subtlety to this performance. Um, he's cons- He's very internal. He doesn't say much. He doesn't throw a, a ton of you know, uh, fists. He throws only what he needs to to get you on the ground, but he'll put the whole force of his entire body behind but it. But yeah, he'll still brutally beat you. Um, if he gets you down and he goes after you even more, he's making a point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all he, 
He's in the costume more than he is out of. I noticed that. And, you know, I'd, I'd be interested in what the time breakdown is on all that, because he's in a lot of this movie. There's not much of this movie where he's not there. He Well, obviously, the whole point of this film is, I mean, he's a recluse when he's not in the suit. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not Bruce Wayne yet. Not the Bruce Wayne that you know of the, the playboy and... You know, the billionaire and all that. He, he um, hasn't found a way to balance mm-mm. those two things out. Because I think, actually... He's dealing with deep trauma here. And it's yeah. one of the most realistic portrayals of... Okay, I was... I was... I know you're a little behind this weekend from Killing Eve. But there was a scene where... A character goes to a psychiatrist to ask about another character who is all of a sudden just decided to become a Christian. She's an assassin. She decides to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I think reinvention is just another form of avoidance. That's exactly what he's doing here. He has invented the Batman so he can utilize the true anger and grief and everything inside him. And try to do something good with it because he doesn't know goodness of himself. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. And it is it is one of the most human portrayals I've ever seen. And again, that's the arc as yeah. you know, we see that, you know, by the end in, you know, some great stuff. And I, And honestly, in most Batman movies, I mean, okay, Nolan had arcs in his, but most other portrayals of Batman, we don't get that kind of self-examination by the mm-hmm. character. Even in even in Dark Knight Rises, which was supposed to be about self-reflection of himself, he never gets there. He never gets there. Okay. The only thing that he learns is, actually, I am afraid to die. And that was it. But how much of that truly deals with things that are more deeply rooted? And I, I actually kind of found that funny because at one point he's speaking to Alfred in this film and he goes, I'm not afraid to die. But what I realize is what I am afraid of is going through that again. Losing someone that I care about. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, he didn't he didn't start with the I'm afraid to lose someone that I care about. We've heard that line a million times. He says, I'm afraid to go through that again. That makes that line more personal. It makes it harder to say. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a confession. It's not a throwaway. It's a confession. Um, what? No, no, no. I, I totally agree there. Um. I was I was starting to think about a little bit about Paul Dano's uh, performance, you know, because I know we're going to be moving ahead to that, and I'm just kind of realizing he is in his Riddler costume an awful lot of the movie, except for maybe two scenes at the end. This is one of the yeah. This is one of those things. three scenes I yeah. think the the diner and the two scenes at Arkham. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those things where we don't have like. The character in his, like, 
you know, regular civilian identity. We don't see them wandering around doing stuff or anything like mm-hmm. that. Or, oh, surprise reveal. It's so-and-so. Um, it's, you know, it's always just this mysterious presence in that green outfit in those videos. And until or he's caught. hiding in the shadows, which is just as terrifying and it's a nice juxtaposition to all the criminals being afraid of the shadows because Batman might be in them. Well, like Riddler's hiding in that car or he's standing behind the guy getting ready to kill him. Mm-hmm. He's drinking a scotch. He doesn't even realize he's standing behind him. True. Again, hiding in the shadows. But he terrifies. Not he terrifies criminals who are self-righteous. Or hypocritical. Or hypocritical, yep. Yeah, um, that's, and that's what, you know, is at the heart of this mystery is, you know, the corruption in the city by people who are saying they are crusaders to make things better. Yeah. Um, and that's what I really liked about this. You know, it addresses that, you know, the mob control of Gotham. It addresses um, the failure of those institutions. Um, you know, and it's... It, it's a great int- – it feels like a very 70s kind of story in a certain way. I've heard uh, references to Chinatown. Chinatown, I, yeah. yes. Um, you know, and uh, other films like that too where, you know, you're just kind of – the heroes just ramming their head up against a system that is broken. Mm-hmm. And I think in future films it will be interesting to see – how that hopefully changes, you know, with this new mayor that we see being elected. Perhaps she brings in a new DA by the name of Harvey Dent. Um, I could see that happening. Yeah. Um, at the same time, though, this also does take it takes the philosophy that I like about Batman in that Gotham was a city corrupt, run by the mob, a lot of criminal elements. Batman shows up. And that's when the crazy, you know, rogues gallery villains start coming out of the woodwork in response to the Batman. They're a step up in that war. Well, Matt Reeves has already said that this film is not an origin story for the Batman. It's an origin for Bruce Wayne and for our villains. Yes. And, but... And I think people are going to be surprised by that because that's not what they're accustomed to yeah they think Um, the superhero is the the mask but what if just being the normal guy is the mask is the mask but and i i'm i just want to circle back to what i was saying though um this was in kind of like direct opposition to a show like gotham Mm -hmm. which showed you know gotham city Mob controlled, a lot of criminal element, and then all the crazy supervillains started showing up, and ultimately Batman is coming out as a reaction to the rise of these these villains. Whereas I think it's more logical to have the escalation start with Batman, and then, you know, Riddler here is the first of these crazy villains that we know of, not counting that Arkham Asylum scene. Um... I was thinking about the guy at the funeral. I'm pretty certain that was Mad Hatter. Talks about his daughter. The 
guy with the um who was placed into the Mm-mm. the neck piece the or? one who was speaking to to Bruce from the sidelines because he's also the one who, he, that Bruce beats the hell out of at the end and says I'm vengeance that's true um I don't think I don't think that guy is supposed to be anybody special special it, but it's it, just it's just Bruce you know it, he saw him you know in his civilian ID and then was able to see him again as a person and then and when the guy mutters what he was saying you know his own I'm vengeance thing that's it, that's the he moment pollutes it yeah he realizes I'm sending the wrong message to this guy who I made that momentary connection with a few days ago at a funeral and you know, so I don't. I don't think that guy is supposed to be anything more than that. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be the Mad Hatter. Well, I don't think he's going movie, to be yeah. in the next movie. But yeah. it is a nice thought of they're just normal people, mm-hmm. but their interactions change them. So yeah, we're probably not going to see him again. And no. I, to be honest, I don't want to see the Mad Hatter. I don't care about the Mad. <sighs> Honestly, here's my hot take: I don't want to see the Joker again. Now, I know we started off this review. Didn't we talk about this this morning? (laughs) I know we started off this review by saying it's always good when people find new things to do with the character of Batman. I want to see Barry play Joker. But everybody has to do Joker. I don't want to see him as the next villain. I want them to save him for the pièce de résistance down the road. I I think there are some other of Batman's rogues gallery – that are interesting enough that deserve some exploration. Like who we may see next? Um, I know you're thinking Court of Owls. No. I mentioned Court of Owls. Oh, Court of Owls. Everybody seems to want Court of Owls. And I think Court of Owls would, the way you know they kind of infiltrate Gotham, would work well in this this version now that, that the city's is, broken yeah and mm-hmm. some sort of criminal element mm-hmm. will try to grab the city yeah does it make sense yeah but our villain you're looking for victor freeze or you were paying attention to what i said this morning <laughs> you said a lot of stuff this morning so you know um wow <laughs> like uh you're late for work again yeah i know that part um <laughs> hush no. oh hush yeah, Hush would be interesting. We've not seen Hush in anything. And they've um, already set it up. Yeah. I mean, we they could, you know, there are ways to, you know, incorporate that story into what we've already seen so far. Well, the reporter's name, last name was Elliot. Mm-hmm. But then again, you said that was on the just on the website. No, not in the, oh, that in was the in the movie. Okay, in the movie. See, this is why I need to and, go back and, see and as they're showing Riddler's video during the movie... He mentions how uh, the money from Thomas Wayne, the hush money, was refused by the reporter. And at, when he says that, the word hush comes right across the screen as big as they can get it. I I don't know if they were already planning ahead and dropping hints like that. That might be a coincidence. But but using Elliot, now now the website's also... You know, dropped a few things, mm-hmm. including we will see Riddler again. I'm not surprised. You you signed Paul Dano up. You want to keep him around, especially yeah. after this great performance. Um, re- remember too, Nolan kept Scarecrow around mm-hmm. 
through all three movies. Who was originally supposed to be played pre-Batman Begins by who? Let's see how well you know your your Fallen Are you out thinking movies. of um, <laughs> when maybe um, Schumacher was going to do a third film and mm-hmm. scare... I know the rumor was that it was going to be Howard Stern. No! Yes. Yes, there was a rumor, but Stern went on air and said But no. he'd already cast him. Who? Coolio. No. Yeah. No. Coolio showed up in Batman and Robin, the cameo at the motorcycle race. Yeah. He is Jonathan Crane. It has been, it, that has been said. Really? Yes. I never, I never knew that. And he was that at one point going to bring out Man Bat. Like a terrible idea. But then again, it's Schumacher. So that's <laughs> his Batman movies are a litany of bad ideas. His um, third one, he was talking about how he wanted to go back darker, similar to the Burton Batman. But at that point, the I don't Batman he, and Robin had already flopped. So Yeah, I don't think he has the chops to do it. And Warners was too interested in Happy Meal toys. Um, mm. And that's why Burton left. And that's why everything else had that uh, campy sheen to it. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that would have been good at all. Um, for this film, there's been a lot of discussion. Oh, uh, really quickly before I even hop into that. Briefly, I have to mention outside of yes, Zoe Kravitz was fucking fantastic oh, as Catwoman. Again, yes. Uh, but I wish that was had, a given. I yeah, I wish <laughs> they had given her more to do. But yeah, yeah. Um, Colin Farrell. That's the one I wanted to get to. Apart from one scene, you couldn't even fucking tell it was him. And I'm not even talking makeup. I'm talking his talk, the way he talks, the way he moves. Mm-hmm. He's got the little waddle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, it was great. It, was, it wasn't even so much a waddle. It was more like a, like, yeah, it was kind of a waddle, but more menacing. Swaggery waddle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But not not like, oh, check me out, uh, swagger waddle. Like, I will fucking slit your throat, swagger waddle. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I've I've heard is there a possibility that we're getting an HBO Max show about Penguin? Yes, I thought there so. There are two HBO Max shows currently um, in development. One featuring the Penguin, and the other centering on oh, Arkham the GC- Asylum. No, the, I, uh, GCPD. The, right? Originally, it was going to be on the Gotham City Police Department, and then it's kind of mutated due to some creative changes into an Arkham Asylum show. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because we we'll, we might get some of our villains starting in there. Mm-hmm. So that, that makes complete I, sense. I think it would be interesting to do it as like a um like an anthology almost. And every week we, you know, get some other tragic story, like say Victor Freeze and his wife dying and mm-hmm. and him trying to um commit crimes to keep her cryogenically frozen to develop a cure for whatever she died from. And, you know, cause it's a tragic story and I mean, that's, that's what's, that's one of the things I really like about the villain is that tragedy, that tragic love mm-hmm. story. And so, yeah, it would be interesting to do something there, I think. Um, uh, you know, and then, you know, every week do that. I don't know if that's the way to go or if they have something else in mind or we we learn the tragic story of the Arkham family <laughs> before they marry into the Waynes. Um, 
That would be pretty cool. Yeah. I want to know that backstory, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I mean, do that. It was a do little Lizzie like... borden Yes. <laughs> yes. Nice pull. Thank I was going to say, set Arkham, you know, the Arkham family saga in the 1950s or something like that. And right, you know, you get that post-World War II malaise. We could have Thomas Wayne meet Alfred. <laughs> oh, wait. Doesn't Pennyworth already exist? <laughs> Yeah, but I think that's a whole separate. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, another Earth. So um, I've seen a lot of talking about which is better: is Dark Knight still hold up with the passage of time, or is this the better Batman film? That's a good question. I'll tell. I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. Hey. hey. Um. <laughs> <sighs> wow. Now. I kind of wanted to go into this pure, so I didn't rewatch a lot of Batman stuff beforehand. So it's been probably a couple of years since I last watched Dark Knight. I did revisit it um, between my showings of the new Batman. Mm-hmm. So, and both movies have that complicated third act. I think um, where you know, and Dark Knight. You have the whole stuff with the tugboat and everything, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting and really good. And it's like, oh, thematical, you know, f- moral dilemma here. I like this. Um, you know, I like how that um, that plays out. Um, here, though, the moral dilemma is within the character himself of Batman, of Bruce. And, you know, again, it's that arc and that ultimately is paid off with him, you know, trans, you know, transmutating himself into a symbol of hope for Gotham and how we see him helping people and how he just stays, you know, at that thing at the Gotham Square Garden. It's <laughs> so weird saying that. Isn't yeah, it? I, yeah, I had to like really like reroute my tongue <laughs> to say not say Madison Square Garden. Um and um yeah so i think just on that the batman edges out dark knight and i think in terms of filmmaking skill in terms of composition and use of color and uh overall cinematography I think the Batman also edges out Dark Knight Rises. You just mean the Dark Knight? Or the Dark Knight, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Um, yeah, it, they both beat Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. That's a given. Uh- <laughs> yeah. So so I think ultimately the Batman does inch out uh, ahead of Christopher Nolan. Yeah, I, I look back at the Dark Knight, and um, if it wasn't for Heath Ledger's performance— it's just another comic book movie. It really is. It's it it I does it, I think it has stuff to say. It does have stuff but, to say, but it doesn't it's not going to hold up over time. Mm-hmm. Um not only did this have stuff to say, but there wasn't a bad performance from anyone. The cinematography was incredible. Um there were definitely times where you and I were squealing in the seats like mm-hmm. And, and, and the idea of keeping it more internal, more dramatic, mm-hmm. more detective instead of full-on action movie um, is, is going to cement it longer. 
Yeah. Because it, to, from 30 years from now, people aren't going to be looking back on, well, I would have done that choreography different. No. <laughs> I mean, even even little directorial choices, like in the car chase, every shot on the penguin <laughs> is looking at him, past him, to what's following him. Every shot on Batman Close is, up. is over his shoulder or looking forward towards what he's chasing. Mm-hmm. And the, just those two types of composition and never varying it is very strongly, you know, it just very strongly defines what that chase is. You have things like... Um... Uh, may I for a second? Oh, sure, sure. Speaking of things that are incredibly real about the, the Batman... Um... One of the most real things in the movie is that during that car chase, Penguin gets stuck in between three tractor trailers. Like, it's like me on my way to work. <laughs> I think we've all had that happen to us mm-hmm. on the highway where we're just yes. like, come on, guys, move. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but also the way that Matt Reeves shoots Pattinson as Batman – Almost matter-of-factly a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Like when he's like walking through the cops at the crime scene. There's no glorification of no, it. It's, it's just, it's I just, am. He's a guy. You know, he just happens to be dressed like this. There's, yeah, it's not like like really cool hero shots or anything like that. There was something about it, and I, I wish I could, you know, better articulate it. But there's a lot of shots where I'm just like, this feels not, not quite documentarian or cinema verite, but... It feels like they're looking into a reality mm-hmm. in a way. And yeah, that's how Batman would look if he was walking around, you know, with Commissioner Gordon or something like that. And <laughs> and then the color palette, though. I mean, we have the reds at the end. We have, um, you know, the darker blues and the steely grays and stuff. You know, a little blade most... runnery. Yeah. And then a couple of times when they're up. Golden. By the bat signal. Golden. Yeah. The dawn or the dusk. And we're not sure which. Uh, mostly dawn, though, I would think, based on what we'd seen beforehand. This golden, bright promise. And then we get the outlines which and is, the shadows which and stuff is, like that cast from that. Yeah, which is great because there's that scene where Selena and him share their first kiss. And she steps away from him. And it's just silhouetted figures against the golden sunrise. Mm-hmm. And it's like... That right there is the is the true idea of what you're saying of promise. Yes, exactly. Of hope of tomorrow. For, of for Bruce, mm-hmm. let alone serving as a symbol for the for the city. Yeah. And you know, it, it's beautiful. It's very painterly almost. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really great just beautiful shots in this film. Yeah. Um and I know at the end of the movie, uh, oh. I think the first thing I said to you was, well, there's going to be a crap ton of uh, technical awards uh, being nominated. For oh, my God. That hallway fight. But but cinematography oh, as well. The, definitely. The hallway fight. I, I'm oh. still sitting there trying to figure out how the fuck did they light it? How did they light it? <laughs> like, where did they put the rigs? Were there rigs? Mm-hmm. I like it's gorgeous how about the sound design on the batmobile speaking of the batmobile it's like christine when it first shows up it's that throbbing <laughs> and muscle see, car do not wait to see this movie at home on hbo max 
see it in a theater, see it in a theater with a really good sound system, yes, and see it in a theater with a really good sound system that they crank up because this movie you're gonna feel in your balls like no nobody's business. Seriously, when he's hitting that car, <laughs> that first little nudge forward, mm-hmm. and. I was thinking of laughing out loud when it happened because it's like he almost stalls the car. He's cranking it, cranking it, cranking it, and then it just stalls. But it's a scare tactic. Oh, yeah, exactly. I just realized that when I watched it the second time. It's Christine, the Stephen King movie, basically. He fucking freaks them out to run for their life, and I fucking loved every moment of it. But everything in this film, his gadgets and all that – they're not flashy. There's barely gadgets. I mean, he has his, his motorcycle's a regular motorcycle. Yeah. The the, uh, the the his Batmobile is literally just a tricked out. Let me say this because I've been waiting for four days to say this. It's a tricked out muscle car strapped to a rocket. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, he has one batarang, um, which is actually the insignia on his chest. It fits mm-hmm. right in there. We see he has some pouches. We see he has like the like it looks the adrenaline. Like, yeah, he has the adrenaline shot. Um, he has the taser built into his glove so he can mm-hmm. hold somebody down. It looks like he has like some like little uh, dart thing on his one one uh, forearm. Oh, with the with the um yeah. What is it? Chit. Not no. The grappling gun is entirely different. No, but he has oh, one yeah. attached to that. It yeah. fires up because he was shooting people with it and then hanging them. Yes. Um. Yeah. He in the finale. Yeah. Um. Um. But I think the biggest but, quote unquote gadget is pretty much the contact. The lens. contact it's lens. The, the I was, cameras and the contact which lens is thing. Incredibly subtle. You'd miss it. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. If I don't know if that's actual tech or not, maybe. Um, and I'm fine with that if that's the biggest step towards, you know, fantasy or science fiction that this movie makes. I can certainly buy it. Mm-hmm. I buy into it. I'm fine with it. Well, that that's another thing that I really love about the difference between the Dark Knight and the Batman mm-hmm. is, again, Dark Knight's an action movie. Yeah, it doesn't have... Yeah, it, it's like heat and all that, but it's flashy. It's fun. We've got, you know, a tricked out bat cycle that can move sideways and, blah, 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 and still keep going. Yeah. Like it. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's cool. Whatever. We get it, dude. Um, just, no. Here, the gadgets or lack thereof or the subtlety of them actually make a statement that harks back to Bruce himself. He thinks his legacy is Batman. His legacy is not Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. The difference between that Dark Knight and this, the Dark Knight is all about showing just how wealthy he is. That all of his tech is just so over the top because he can afford it. Whereas here, Bruce... Is, is such a recluse that he rejects his money. For most of the film, we see him wandering around in sweatpants and a t-shirt. <laughs> a ripped t-shirt, nonetheless. When he's out of uniform, yes. Yeah. He is... He doesn't want anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. He, and it's not a case that he doesn't know how to use it. I think what he uses it for 
is for practicality and for tact, um, like uh, the tactical. Yes. Rather than decoration. Well, even the mayor uh, at the funeral, when the ma- the mayor elect comes up to him and says, "Look, you know, I know your family did a lot of philanthropy in the past, and you're and not you're, doing anything, and you're not doing anything. We need to talk about that." And you know, so that's that's kind of reinforces that idea. Yeah, yeah the and, accountants are coming for breakfast. Yeah. Why? Um, yeah, and and also, you know, Dark Knight is an action movie. This is a thriller. It, you know, it just works on under certain different rules, mm-hmm. and you know, I think it does it wonderfully. But I, I like the idea that in this film, most of these things have been made by hand. Like um, in Dark Knight, you got Lucius designing things and R and D and Wayne Tower. Here, it feels like everything is it's a little bit more handmade. Yeah, it's very handmade. Down to oh yeah, we strap this this big exhaust rocket launcher to a also car. Probably <laughs> probably my dad's old Mustang or something like that or Camaro. And it's just like yeah, it's it feels more secretive. Mhm. Yeah. I I would agree with you there. And I think though that just about wraps us up for this week. Remember, you can find us online at bigpicturepod.com, and we are now available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, so either use the link in the show notes post, head directly there, search and hit subscribe. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a positive review, because that always helps us connect with new listeners. We'll be back next time with more news and reviews. And that's all right here on the Big Picture Podcast. Keep busting.